My racing career isn't just about me. It's about the team, the fans, the sponsors, the families, the tracks, the whole sport. Join us over the next five months on the Junior Nation Appreciation Tour, where we show appreciation to where it's owed. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of uh, Dirty Mo Radio's The Dale Jr. Download. And with me, as usual, is our host, Tyler Overstreet. Thanks to Hopeless Records for providing today's theme song, No One's Gonna Need You More, by The Dangerous Summer. Speaking of Dangerous Summer, we went, uh, you say that about all their stuff, so now you're a big fan. I like them. Yeah, I know. I can can tell. Um, That's good. Hopefully a lot of other people are hearing it and liking it too. We went to see them uh, the other day. We was down, we was head down to Key West to film some of the uh, DIY show uh, renovation, and we stopped in to a little uh, suburb in Florida where they were recording their new um, album or whatever you call it, and uh, listened to some of the new stuff. They are all finished up, and uh, I think fans of fans of theirs are gonna like what they hear. They haven't had anything, they haven't put out a record, I think, in four years. So this is a pretty big deal for them to get back together. <clears throat> They're now a trio. A trio? What yeah, were they, they before? Were four. Oh. But when, I, I was asking them that question, I was like, when you go on tour, uh, will you bring in guys? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll bring in. He said there's, they were telling me that there are these guys that uh, when they bring, when they go on tour and they need another guitarist, they can learn all the songs in 24 hours. How many you know, that they're going to play Yeah, it's hard set. to, not knowing how to play a guitar, it's hard to believe that would be possible. Yeah, it's incredible. Anyways. Uh, all right, so um, let's talk about the Pocono race. Uh, I really can't remember the last time we put together a full race without issue. Yeah. It's been a while. We've had some of the weirdest, oddest things happen to us this season, but it seems like a long time ago since we've had a finish that was reasonable. Uh, ended up 12th. Uh, the race started off. Well, actually, let's just talk about the whole weekend. We were struggling all weekend. The car was really slow. We had a problem with the car being super loose on entry. As soon as you turn the steering wheel, the car was sideways into the corner. Once we was down in the center of the corner and through exit, it was pretty decent. But um, really, really worried about the car changing everything. Um, as far as the morale of the team or the, the attitude of the team it wasn't panic or anything like that but we were not uh i guess we were not feeling too positive about it would be a good way to describe it but you tweeted that right after qualifying yeah i was just kind of trying to prepare everybody for for the worst but um i know you're supposed to have like this uh everything's going to be great attitude but you know sometimes you got to be realistic the um Qualifying on Sunday morning gives you an idea of kind of where your car is, even though the qualifying setup's a little bit different. Um, 
and when we went to run qualifying, I was a little, un, you know, disappointed that some of the major issues in the car were still still there and probably still something we'd have to deal with in the race. The race started, and uh, they had a big crash in turn three. We got in the back of Eric Amarola and dented up the front end of our car. Luckily, it wasn't too bad. How much of that is luck, and what? how much of it is just listening to TJ? Like I don't, making it I don't through know the- what TJ said. Okay, yeah, because... Yeah, I mean, it happens. You just go where you got to go. Because, yeah, there were, like, four cars spinning, and I was like, damn yeah. it. Especially the way that our race ended at Indy, um, bumping into somebody and smashing the radiator. I was like, don't let this happen on the first lap. Yeah. Well, I understand the frustration. I mean, I talked to Eric afterwards, apologizing for getting into the back of him in that accident, um, and he said that's probably the first time he's ever been in a race where he completed no laps. So I told him that I've done that a few times. Uh, but it was, yeah, that was kind of a lucky uh, moment for us to be able to get through that accident. Cars are kind of going left and right and spinning through the dirt and so forth. We got a speeding penalty on the first, I believe the first time down pit road. Usually, um, so this year we've had more more speeding penalties. Let's try to explain that. Um you have these dots, these lights on the dash, and it starts out, they start out as green lights, so you'll have, you can, you know, you can light up one, two, three, four green lights, just like an RPM bar, and then there's two yellows that'll come on, one at a time, and two yellows is what I should be running for pit speed. I don't have a speedometer in the car, I don't have really a, a tachometer even, it's just this light bar. So two yellows should be uh should get me down pit road and uh there if I go above those two yellows there'll be red lights. Anytime I see those, I'm going too fast. And uh we can set this light bar. Uh we can space these lights apart by one hundred RPMs, fifty RPMs, twenty five RPMs. So if you set them really close together, it lights up really fast. And that's what I was. Of, there's a lot of movement. That's what I was wondering because you said it's jumping around. So I didn't know like right. how fine is that line of two bu- two lights and a it's red light. Fine. Yeah. So this year, what we've done to be more competitive on pit road is to really close those gaps between those lights and really get aggressive. It when I get it right, we run within two-tenths of a mile an hour under the speed limit. But it does put present you an opportunity to, to get busted a lot more often. Um, and again, this RPM bar is only going off the R, RPMs of the motor. It has nothing to do with rolling speed or is not measuring any speed at the wheel. So the RPMs uh, could be bouncing around. The car can chug and... and, and and do all kinds of funky stuff going down pit road and uh give you all kinds of crazy uh give you go, give you all kinds of a crazy light show on the dash. Let's it's look. it's very frustrating obviously to get that penalty but then to hear that it's jumping around and doing yeah. that because I can only imagine you're trying to find yeah. just finding the pit sign seems difficult enough. Yeah. So I think about it like this too. You don't uh, coming down pit road. You have the air pressure in the tires up 
because you've been running laps and the tires have built up air pressure. It's very easy, it's much easier to control this uh, pit road speed with high air pressure. So you come in, you change tires, and you put on tires that are really, really low on air pressure, and it's really hard to control the speed leaving the pits with that low air pressure. That's when the tire, that's when the car wants to buck and chug and lug and bounce because of the air pressure and the tire sort of sends that through the car. Uh, makes it really difficult. Tracks where pit road, uh, holding pit road speed steady are really difficult are going to be the tracks where you run very, very low air pressure. Like Martinsville, we run down around 9, 10, 11 pounds in the left side tire just coming off of pit road. Um, at... Uh, you know, you're still you're under 20 pounds, around 18 pounds, yeah. 17 pounds of air pressure on the left side tires at Pocono. Even a big old track like that, that's not a lot of air. They're going to build quite a uh, quite a bit and get a little more stable as the air pressure comes up. But it it's really a challenge. Luckily, it happened early in the race. Didn't get too bent out of shape about it because I knew we'd have opportunity to get get our lap back and uh, you know get get some work done. This did put us pretty far back. We got back into the uh, top 15. Liter literally, you know, I don't think we passed a ton of cars on the racetrack. I think that the, the w reason we finished so well is because of the pit strategy. Um, Greg and the guys on the pit box, you know, were doing things that were giving us opportunity to get track position. Uh, I was trying to do my best to maintain that track position. We don't have the type of speed that the cars in the top five have. Uh, obviously, the 18 and the 78 were incredible. Um, they were in a class of their own. Yeah, at the end of that first stage, third place was 14 seconds behind. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's insane for cars to be that much better. Considering the rules and the world we live in today where the cars are so hard to work on as far as within the rule book, um, you're just so limited as to where you can go to find speed in these cars. For a team or any team or two teams even – to set themselves apart like that is incredible, um, and and it's pretty awe-inspiring. But <laughs> at the same time, frustrating because you're out there trying to compete against them. Right. I mean, but, it's two weeks in a row. Those two cars have been yeah. hands down in the class of the field. Uh, obviously, they wrecked each other at Indy, but Sunday they didn't really have any issues, and it was it was going to be next to impossible to beat them. It was. Uh, you know that typically you can at Pocono you can you know you can get you can hold up a guy that's faster than you at Pocono but it, it's a guy that's only about two or three tenths faster than you he you know with the dirty air and everything else it's pretty line sensitive at Pocono there's only one way through turn through the tunnel there's only one way around turn three uh, so if a guy does run you down he's gonna get he's gonna get in your dirty air and you you can slow him down and kind of keep him four or five car lengths back. Uh, that seems that seems really frustrating, especially with how long that front straightaway is. Yeah, to know you're faster, but not be able to get a big enough run. Yeah, that but the 18 and 78 were half second, three quarter of a second, even a second faster than most of the field. Yeah, and they're going to be able to pass you no matter what. So you're right. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat those guys. Luckily, every track's not like Pocono, um, particularly this weekend at uh, Watkins Glen. I think it's a, you know. It's an open, uh, open opportunity for any team to get in there and, and get a win. These guys, I don't think, will be uh, setting themselves apart like they did at Pocono. I think it'll be a little more of a level playing field. But when we go back to Michigan, you know, the 78, 18, those guys are going to be strong again. Yeah. 
So uh, speaking of road course, did you see this quote from the new Pocono CEO Nick Adolski? He said that they could do one oval race and one road course race at Pocono. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of. Uh, they have quite. <laughs> I don't. They don't have like one road course configuration. Yeah. Inside that racetrack, they have like eight. Yeah, so they could really do two <laughs> road course races if they want. I don't know why they would want to. No, I like I like Pocono the way it is. Yeah, I think Pocono is doing okay. Um, you know, I don't think that that would be looking at the grandstands and then looking at the camping. Yeah, it, it, there was a lot of people on the on, on the inside of that racetrack this weekend. I was really surprised as we was riding around for drivers' intros at how many campers that had filled up uh, the turn one side of the track. Typically, that's that part of the track really doesn't get full yeah uh you see a lot of campers mostly in the tunnel turn and up toward turn three uh they really fill that out pretty well Uh, but i thought they had more than usual the amount of campers and people inside the track on race day Um, i don't know what that would do if you had a roval race at poking i don't know how much you know how much uh, of a financial hit that is not having a lot of those folks inside that racetrack, but yeah, you may it may just compact them a little more in certain areas. Yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they would do it, but I don't think I'd want to watch that race uh, as opposed to the oval. Uh, but again, you know, we got to give uh, Greg and all the guys credit; they did a great job giving uh, you know using great strategy. I don't know how else we were going to find our way toward the front, so that was a great job on pit road. Uh, we came out on that last run they had a long green flag run we came out behind matt kenseth who i thought we had a comparable car to we're actually kind of catching him uh as we were you know sort of coming down to the last 20 25 30 laps and then the right front tire corded with about 20 to go um we had been super loose on entry and the right front tire cording tells me that we had too much camber either too much static camber or too much camber gain as the car traveled and goes in the corner, the the, the geometry and the suspension gains too much camber. And uh, so that slowed the car down tremendously. It started, uh, it obviously, without, with, you know, where the rubber is missing, uh, where this cord is showing through, uh, you're not going to have the grip because there's no rubber on the tire to grip, get a hold of the racetrack. So we're, we got really, really tight. It also started to start shaking because the tires are out of balance with it, with, with half of the tire corded. Um, so we lost a lot of speed. weren't able to try to challenge Matt. We actually lost a couple spots to our teammates that I don't think we should have lost. Right, because you were I probably going to finish ninth or yeah. tenth. I don't think we'd have lost them a couple two spots. That'd have been nice to call that a top ten finish, considering how the weekend went. But we'll take twelfth. Is that almost a blessing in disguise that that thing corded and maybe? Gave you guys like the idea of maybe we had too much camber no. camber gain or it's we were lucky as hell the right front tire didn't well, blow out no, we didn't hit the damn wall well no we're obviously we're lucky <laughs> that it didn't blow out but that what a blessing hap- that corded tire what but it happening it makes it like oh well that might have been what we were dealing with Tyler they can look at the tire wear and see it's wearing excessively on the inside I don't need it to cord for me to get the get the message. Well, I got the message through yeah. the cord. Well, that was incredibly lucky that the right front tire didn't yeah. blow. If it, if it corded with 20 to go, it ran 20 laps on the cords. Um, I haven't had a tire, let, you know, I haven't had a corded tire make make it that far. So, kudos to Goodyear for saving my tail. 
on that one. Um, let's talk about the two-day schedule. So this is the first time, right? Isn't this the first? Well, technically Indy was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. But this is the first time we did the qualifying on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So two-day show. This is – I don't know that this is a big deal but um, or, or, or really worth uh, getting too far into, but I think that um, the fans were worried about what, what happens on Friday if there's no cars on the track. So we went into Pocono and we did the Fan Fest, right? So yep. they, had all the, they had a lot of drivers come out. They had this stage, and they would have, you know, a driver like myself up there for 45 minutes to an hour – they were rotating guys in and out throughout the afternoon and evening. They had a lot of different things going on. I was in this cooking contest. They had other guys doing this lip sync battle. I don't know what else they had other people doing, but I assume yeah, I it sounded think pretty pretty L- random and far reaching. Larson and Stenhouse did a name that tune. Yeah. Song. So yeah. okay, I don't you know. Let us know. Did you enjoy that type of uh, experience with the drivers? Would you rather it be autograph sessions? Would you rather it be Q&A sessions and autograph sessions? What would you want? You know, I signed some autographs on my way out, uh, but I I would prefer a much more organized yeah. autograph session. Yeah, I Where agree I really, that. you know, where you sit down, people can come up, uh, you know, get what they need. I think if you did 15-minute Q&A and then about an hour of autographs, that's yeah. probably 200 people. Yeah. But the way it was, I mean – the idea was good. I mean, it's you guys it was just doing really, something fun. I, guess. I I had fun up on stage doing the uh, doing the cooking, but I don't know that I would want to watch that. It, it was kind of yeah. it was really just kind of chaotic and messy and uh, not a lot of com- not a, not much commentary. Thanks to Landon Castle, he grabs a mic and starts doing some questions with some of the drivers around there. But without Landon doing that, there's no commentary from the drivers. Right, it's like We're they're just, just watching all, you. Yeah, they're just watching us cook food with these fans and. I didn't have a microphone, so I never really said much. Uh, as far as there was no back and forth between the audience and the people on stage, um, it's a work in progress. It so is maybe working. the next ones yeah. we can do the Q and A and autographs. I well, know that some drivers did do some Q and A. Yeah. Did Did they have an autograph session with certain drivers? No. Mm. Um. Anyways, I think that uh, there is content, there is stuff for the fans to do. So, so there's a purpose to be there on Friday. Some fans I was reading on social media talking about what's what do I need to be there for on Friday? Well, I said hang out and party. I mean, yeah, that's a good reason to be there. People want they want Camping. the three day experience. Yeah. the whole weekend. You don't have to have on track experience or on track activity to enjoy uh, camping with your family and a uh, and you know settling into the racetrack and getting ready for the race. I think. Uh, the two-day weekends give the teams a lot of opportunity to adjust their schedule and give some of the crew guys, really the whole industry, a little bit more time at home. Here's the situation that I heard uh, talking to Greg. They have a so this this basically gives them maybe 24 hours uh, of more time at home, which obviously. is a lot. Yeah, but they're uh, they're. Uh, their instincts are that when they have time, they fill it up by working, yeah. right? So Greg said, uh, you know, they, they, they did have a little more time with this two-day weekend, but they ended up using it to work. So the guys really didn't get this opportunity to take, uh, take advantage of this free time. Greg said that uh, the teams will get better and adjust uh, going forward with more two-day weekends to be able to give the industry uh, – a little extra time at home with their family, maybe half a day or some time on Thursday. I think that it'll uh, it'll get even better as we move forward. 
tracks will get a little more creative on how to access the driver's time and give the fans a great experience on Friday when there's no on-track activity. A lot of these tracks, though, are going to have companion events, too, with, with trucks and Xfinity cars and all that good stuff. Right, like Xfinity or trucks practiced Friday, so there was, and then there was an ARCA race Friday, so yeah. there was on-track activity. That was fr- a little frustrating. We were doing our stage stuff for the Fan Fest during the ARCA race. Yeah. Well, See, to me, there shouldn't be anything going on when a race is going on. Yeah, well, it had been like if there's a, had it. Yeah, because you know how we sat, we ran into a traffic yeah. jam coming in. That's because the haulers had to go right. through the tunnel. They usually crossed the track, but all that got messed up because it had rained. Uh, so the the it Arca was, race started later than usual. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to start at like four and be done by five thirty. Oh, which is when the fan fest was going to start. So all right, well that makes sense because I was I saw the cars going and I'm like, why are we doing this if there's a race going on? People should be watching the race. We shouldn't be doing anything taking attention away from the race. I, I agree with that because it frustrates me on like a Saturday when the Xfinity guys are racing and then people would just be like hanging out for autographs. I'm like, come on, these guys are racing. Yeah, I know, but there's a race. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody liked it. I think the fans will get used to it and grow accustomed to it. And I think the, the, the industry will get a little bit better at utilizing that extra time that this is trying to create. Um. So Joe Falk, he's the owner of Jeffrey Earnhardt's car. He had some concerns about the schedule, and quote, we'll quote him, for a small team like mine, we're in trouble if something happens in qualifying. Well, that's the same for everybody. Um, if we wreck or blow up, we'll have trouble fixing our car or changing an engine. That's the same for everybody. The backup doesn't have an engine per NASCAR rules, so small teams might have trouble being ready when the race starts. This is no different for why, any team. I don't understand, though. Why can the backup car not have an engine? I'm not quite sure about that either. That's questionable because yeah. I know the Hendrick guys were like they had one ready to go in the event. Yeah. Especially if you're gonna if you're gonna tighten that window up, they should like don't say, Oh, you gotta throw this engine in the car too. Well, that could probably be tweaked. <clears throat> Absolutely, but I don't I don't see anything in these comments that I mean, we had the same concerns. We right. talked about this in our own hauler about, you know, if if X happens in qualifying, Chad Knauss brought it up actually in our team meeting. That if you really want to make this difficult on us, Jimmy, you know, crash the car and qualifying. So I don't think this is any different from anybody else, and it's just something that uh, just playing for. You just have to, you know. Well, you do the best you can. Uh, so I'm I'm all for it. More two day weekends. Even though I'm on my way out, I think that the industry will uh, will will appreciate it. Let's talk about Ryan Priest. This guy came into the Xfinity Series race at. Uh, Iowa, a track that I think is coming into its own. Man, did you see those guys running the high side right yeah. away? Speaking of Iowa, did you see where they started a Twitter handle? To They're trying to bring you to Iowa oh, next really? year. Yeah. I didn't see that. Very excited. Small grassroots movement. Yeah, it's only got about 30 how do you followers. Find, yeah, so how do you find stuff like that? I have a tweet deck, mm-hmm. and it follows every time somebody mentions you on Twitter. So you're stalking. Um, like monitoring you're social monitoring. conversation. Okay. But Ryan Priest. Yep. So Ryan, great kid. Hard worker, uh, modified guy, very successful. He ran full time last year. A lot of he has to remind everybody about this. He, he ran that O one yeah, car. He ran in the O one car. I first time I remember really seeing him do exceptional uh, in that car was at Dover. He was running around in the top fifteen uh, for most of the day. That's very good for that that car, and I think that team would agree um, that that's a great day for them. Uh, but he decided. 
after that full season with this team that he would rather go back into the mods and win than to run mid-pack. And he had a little bit of money, and that uh, if he could get an opportunity to run with, an, with a good team, he would like to do that. So he contacted Gibbs. He told them about this, uh, you know, this package that he had for a couple races. He put all, instead of taking that little bit of money and spreading it over the entire season with a mid-pack team, he went all in, basically pushed all his chips in for two races, and man, what a payoff. Um, he, he was competitive at New Hampshire. Right but, second, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that would have been a, I don't, you know, I think it's even better that he won at Iowa because at New Hampshire, they, the mods run there, and if he wins, you know, people would say, yeah, well, you know, he knows the track. Or, so wouldn't be quite as a shock, I guess. Uh, he goes to Iowa, a track that's uh, really slick, hard to get a hold of, place that I don't think he has a ton of time at aside from the races he ran there in Xfinity Series, and he goes out and wins. I mean, obviously he's in a great car, but, Still got to drive. Got to make great decisions. You got to get on off pit road. You got to have great restarts. I mean, he he did a great job. I think that um, similar to you know this is this is not a guarantee that he ends up in a full time ride next year with a great team, but you like to see people bet on themselves and win. And it it I would say it significantly increases his chances. Well, I think it puts him toward the top of the list. Yeah. But that list is there regardless of whether people yeah. find money for these guys or not. I mean, we got Josh Berry here that we'd love to run full time. I mean, I, I would put Josh Berry in a car tomorrow if I could find the money to do it. Uh, but I do think that that moves Ryan up the list toward the top of the list of eligible drivers. That if a team, you know, does find the funding, that they would they would be calling him up. Uh, so good job, Ryan. I know he was on Door Bumper Clear this week. Yep. A plug for TJ's show. Yeah. So have you heard? Have you listened to that? No, but yeah. I know he was here. Yeah, I do too. So like he came in the studio and everything. I'm sure people were like, "Oh gosh, Ryan Priest is walking into JRM," but it was just for the podcast. Yeah. Well, one thing that does frustrate me, like <laughs> um, about when Ryan Priest wins and you'll tweet about it, or like when you post about Bubba yeah. Wallace coming to the race, is when people they jump on there. Hey, throw him in your car. Yeah. But just like you said with Josh Berry, you gotta have sponsors. Yeah. I mean, if I, I'll tell you right now, you're right. Um, every time I, if I compliment a driver, I'm just complimenting the driver. I've got Josh Berry; he's at the top of my list. The next time I get money, or a sponsor comes in here, or calls this phone over here and says, "Hey, we are interested in being a part of your team," I'm gonna put Josh in there. Josh is not gonna get uh, beat out by Ryan Priest or Bubba Wallace or any of these other guys. Josh is a guy we've been working with in our late model program for this opportunity every team has a josh berry maybe ryan priest is now joe gibbs josh berry right you know what i'm saying maybe joe gibbs sees what ryan did and says you know what next opportunity it's yours next 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 uh next sponsorship we put together for an xfinity team um ryan priest gets the deal yeah so good for ryan i hope we see more of him i like his attitude He's super, super confident, um, but I like his attitude. He's uh, we're, we text back and forth a little bit, and uh, kids, kids definitely got what it takes. Um, and he, you know, he, he markets markets himself, so I think he'd be pretty good addition to uh, to any of the NASCAR top three series, truck, Xfinity, or Cup. Some um, on Xfinity, some news that just came out literally while we're recording this show next year. The cup drivers will only be able to run a maximum of seven Xfinity races. 
um, which this year was 10, and they will not be able to run the Dash for Cash races, the final regular season race, or the playoff races. What's different? It's so reduced, it's and re- they can't run any of the playoffs. Like this year, Blaney and Larson and Dylan, they can run the playoffs. And they – Except they for could, Homestead. Right. Interesting. Well, you know, I don't think – I think this is a non-issue. They reduced it from 10 to 7, big whoop. Um, you know, they can't run dash for cash. They can't run uh, any of the playoff races. I, I couldn't have told you that that's any different than the year before. Um, everybody's worried that, well, you know, I, you know, these, this is going to hurt teams, hurt these Xfinity teams that are using these cup drivers for deals. Um, you know, if you got a cup driver that can only run seven races, but you want to run a cup driver for 14, go get another cup driver. I mean, there's plenty of cup drivers on the cup driver tree. Right. You know, go over to the, go, you know, you got guys that, uh, like Martin Truex Jr., um, that would love to probably run some Xfinity races if he, you know, if he got called upon. I know Matt Kenseth would run more if he wanted to, if 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 they wanted him to run more. Uh, Clint Boyer, all there's, I mean, the field's full of drivers that we could put in the car. Yeah, so it's not really, it's it may not quite serve the purpose that they're wanting. There's to. only a, there's only it's just going to mix up the cup. There's a small yeah. Uh, there's a small percentage of cup drivers that are really running more than seven races. Right is the point. Uh, it's not a big deal. Um, obviously I can say that because we have four full-time cars that don't use cup drivers. We only ran Casey Kane twice and me twice. Yeah. Um, so we're in a position where it really doesn't affect us at all. I know there are teams that, that, that it will affect, but I, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal that they, they just barely changed it. Um, I was expecting and hoping that it would be a little bit less, maybe five races for the cup guys, you know. And uh, Mike's just stepped in. Mike, how you hello, doing, buddy? Hello, hello, hey, what's up? So last night we played uh, into the we played our wild card game in the playoffs of the DMBL. Me, Mike, and Tyler are on the same team, the Cleveland Convicts. You're the captain. I am the captain. Uh, and I thought we did a good job. We ended up winning our game. Blew them out. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't even close. We beat yeah. the Harrisburg Hoglegs. Yeah. Uh, T.J. Majors is on that team. So it's always good to beat them. Yep. Oh, yeah. T.J. got a little mouthy, as he does, last night. Get, got an early foul called him, started complaining. Wouldn't expect anything Took less. him right out of his game. I was within the first two the minutes. Plan. Oh, yeah. I was like, so as soon as T.J. reveals his you know true self, we just pounce. It's yep. like we, we go into a complete that is something mental good, That is something key about our team is we, we look for the psychological <laughs> yeah. advantage. You know what the, the difference we, makes? We talk some smack. You know what the tides turned when my um, team captain, Dale, uh, benched me for making a – I've <laughs> never even seen this. That was true. You totally yanked Tyler for, for poor play. I've never seen this in our league. We never take it that seriously. And yet there is Coach Earnhardt saying, Tyler, you're out. Davis in. <laughs> And we're like, whoa! He stood off. He stood off of Sean Brawley and let Sean shoot a three. And I said, "Why'd you let him do that?" He just stood there and watched it. I, he said, "Well, I would, he hadn't been making that shot, so I was going to let him have it." I was like, "No, oh, this is a wild card game. We can't have that. Can't have that." And once that happened, the tides turned and we just destroyed them. You think that was it? Was that yeah. the move? Was that the time it kind of pivoted? And I went think that that made them think, "Wow, these guys are serious." Yeah. And they <laughs> they weren't ready for that. Yeah. 
I was proud of Tyler. He went after he after that he went back in there and cranked up the defense. And he poured it on him too. And he made some great shots. Yeah. It happens. Listen, I get that nobody cares about this, but it matters <laughs> to us. So uh, just you have to just kind of for team Bruin and Barrett. Yeah, this was a playoff win for us. <laughs> I think I, I don't know if we were underdogs going in, but you know we we laid it to them, and we're now going to beat the next team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two more wins, and we are the champions. And you know what? If that happens. We'll devote an entire podcast yeah. on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Special edition. Right. We may be the only ones to listen to it. All right, now we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions. As always, we take questions using the hashtag AskJunior on Twitter. Uh, Mike Davis has joined us to moderate this and s- – Tell us the questions that are coming in through our Facebook live feed. Let's start with Clemens NC. He asked, can a car owner have a net loss on a race day, or do they profit no matter what, like if a car <laughs> gets destroyed? I think this is a fantastic question. Um, there's no guaranteed profit. So, like, even, uh, you know, that's why you only have 36 cars, I think, attempting to qualify at Watkins Glen in a in a in a race where 40 can make an attempt and start. Um, so that lets you know that, you know, you're going to lose money if you show up, qualify, and finish 40th. So like JRM at Daytona this year, I think we wrecked like four out of five cars. Yeah, basically every time you wreck a car, especially at Daytona, which is going to destroy it, that's about a $100,000, $150,000 hit uh, to an Xfinity team. And if you're running four cars and you tear all of them up, you can spend six hundred thousand dollars of your budget right away. And you're not making six hundred thousand dollars for that. Heck, race. Yeah. I mean, you're racing for, yeah, you know, dozens of, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Not. It's very. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, you're trying to. To get sponsorship to pay for what it costs to be there, and then your, um, you know what you win in the race. Part of that goes to the driver. Uh, that's really the 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 key component for driver salary is race winnings. So it's very uh, very difficult. Uh, JRM sort of fluctuates between making or or losing a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, depending on how much we tear up. Really, it comes down to how many cars we crash. If we have a bad season and tear up a lot of cars, then that hits the bottom line. Um, if we uh, finish in the top three in points and have a relatively clean year, we can make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, but we budget to break even. That's what we do. We budget. We this thing here is here to uh, give you Tyler and Mike and uh, all these people behind this wall here working in this shop a place to work uh, and Thank be you. able to provide for, <laughs> provide <Yeah>. for their <laughs> families. But it doesn't make. A right. profit, yeah. and there, if when it does make a considerable profit, if we do have a really, really extremely good year, we actually put all that money in an account that's basically a, a safety net for us. If we have a down year, uh, say if something like to, you know the, re- the recession hit, yeah. um, we have some sa- you know some money in, you know in a, in a safe place for uh, for us to fall back on. So uh, any you know any profit really kind of just goes into that. So that's uh yeah it's that's it that's it yeah, yeah. 
you can make profits in other ways, but the they're asking specifically about the race team, and and right. you're right. We just try to not lose money. Right. <laughs> um, Kid sixty seven Y asks if you were Joe Gibbs, if you were in Joe Gibbs' position, this is a good one. Would you have suspended crew members like Joe Gibbs Racing did after the pit road incident with Kyle Busch's crew chief Adam Stevens and guys on the seventy eight crew? Each of you get a shot at this one. So Tyler, think about it as well. I definitely wouldn't have done that. I would have. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have made it, I wouldn't have done the suspension because it becomes public knowledge and then it gets discussed by everybody in the industry and everybody gets to pull, everybody, everybody gets to throw in an opinion. Like us. Right. So I would have done something behind closed doors. I'd have brought everybody into a conference room, sat down, went over how I'm disappointed in this, this, and this, uh, how we're going to change and rectify the situation, who, who, where everybody's lane is. You know, you this is out of line. This is unacceptable. So going forward, that this doesn't happen again. Um, but making it public is something that I don't. I think that's just personal preference. I wouldn't have done that because it it get, you know allows everybody to discuss it. Um, and it 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 became a popular discussion. You mm -hmm. know, wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would. I agree with what they did. Because you agree with – all right, so let's just with say the what they did. With the suspension. Joe Gibbs Racing is in partnership with that 78 team. Yeah, true. And right. I guess they have some sort of jurisdiction over them. And so they it, had the confrontation a, in the pits. Joe Gibbs announced that they were suspending the 78 pit crew, two, uh, two members of yeah. it, uh, for the confrontation that happened when Adam Stevens went into their pit box. So right? Yeah, so they they work for Joe Gibbs Racing, and they're essentially disrespecting a pretty high-ranking guy at Joe Gibbs Racing. So it's – they're superior. Yeah. Like if I go and I cuss out Mike Davis or I go cuss out Ryan Pemberton, then there's going to be some repercussion for it. Or if I cuss out anybody, well, you're saying that if you go, oh, they didn't. He didn't. They didn't go after him. He came to their pit box. Well, the guy he was walking by and the guy was clapping, kind of taunting yeah. him. So he was essentially drawn in to the guy being a smartass. So you're a hundred percent sure on exactly how it went down. I'm going by the video that was posted. Yeah. My assumption is that there was something else that happened outside of the video. You don't think that they, maybe they, Adam said I something? I don't know. That's just what the video. Yeah. I mean, if he, whoever, if Adam started it, then I agree with you. But if I'm going by the video where he's walking and the guy is clapping and is like, if, are you happy now? And then they get into it. Then that guy taunted him into the situation, in my opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I still wouldn't have made it that big of a public. I still wouldn't have made it such a public thing. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would have announced it. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. I think that there's fault in both sides that it got to where it did. And it obviously, I don't know that they knew they were being filmed, but yeah. for it to be captured and, and everybody to see that sucks. Uh, but I wouldn't have made it such a debatable topic let me ask you this would you expect your pit crew to do anything different than the 78 pit crew did what would you want out of your team if if the same scenario had happened another crew chief comes into y'all's pit box i know that you're on the track you wouldn't find out about it till later yeah but what would you expect out of your team well i, I don't uh i like the passion i mean I, you want your guys to have your back this is the, the this is a different nascar than what we had 20 or 30 years ago um 
what I mean is, is that the the road. So the there's a road crew that goes with the car on Thursday or Friday. That's that gets the car through inspection. They're the mechanics. They get the car through practice and everything else. And they sort of hand the car off to the pit crew, who is a different set of guys that will change the tires and work on the car during the race. Uh, this pit crew typically shows up on Sunday. Other than that, they're pitting Xfinity cars for JRM. Uh, they're doing pit practice at the shop every day, but they're 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 a different set of guys than than the regular road crew. So when those guys show that kind of passion for that car, I like that. That means that they care that this is they feel like that this is their team. They need to stand up for this team. I like that a lot. Um, Years ago in the 80s and 90s, the guys that went with the team on Thursday and Friday and got the car through practice and inspection and everything else, they also pitted the car. Uh, but this, this, this day and age, we've got all these athletes coming in the sport that are, the jack, you know, that are becoming jackman, tire changers, tire carriers, and they don't have uh, a history of being around the sport. They haven't grown up with or around a team working in a shop. They just came out of college or, or, or leaving a professional sport, uh, trying to find a new car, a career path for themselves and learn how to be tire changers and tire carriers and pit guys. Uh, so for for them for them to buy into the process or feel like a part of the team and to care enough to be that passionate is great. I think that um, I like seeing that. You want your guys to – anybody comes in a pit box, you want them to be ready to get them out of there uh, or put them in their place. So I kind of like that. Taunting is no good. It's never a good look for anybody if that's how that began. Um and if it did, then Adam Stevens had every right to to tell him, you know, what the hell is going on? Why are you taunting? Because yeah. you work for Joe Gibbs. But uh, definitely a, a difficult situation. But I would have handled it internally um, if I was in that situation. You just don't, you know, you just don't want to uh, – I don't think it's – you know, you just don't want that kind of stuff floating out there and everybody having to get, you know, chime in like we're doing today. Yeah, and I think we've generated enough headlines for this for this topic today, so we'll move on. <laughs> uh, let's see here. All right, this is a good one. Um, oh, there's a lot of good ones here. Um, M. Garfield 44 asks, do the manufacturers develop their own software for the simulators, or do they use iRacing? The, I think this is a good question because there's a lot of, seems like simulator talk. Sim, you spend, yeah. spend a lot of time in the sim. Tell us a little bit about that and answer this question here. Yeah, the simulator basically uses old gaming software. It is not iRacing's software. I don't think there is a simulator out there that uses iRacing's software. I've got a lot of good connections within uh, within the corporate office at iRacing, and they have interest in being in the simulation uh, field uh, for professional motorsports, and particularly with NASCAR. They wouldn't mind uh, being part of a simulation project, and I think that that software is probably the best uh, software out there to use. In my opinion, it's much more advanced than the current uh, gaming software that that uh, that all the simulators are using. I believe that all the simulators use a similar uh, software from a uh, a different manufacturer, a different gaming company. Uh, I won't get into specifics about it, but um, it's you know it's dated. And it's up to the manufacturers like Chevy and Ford to to push it forward, visually, uh, 
physically uh with the you know with the with the actual physics of the of, of the software it's it's old stuff it's old dated software uh that i remember using and playing a long time ago and it's up to the manufacturers to really to develop it into whatever you know whatever it will be or become iRacing is already there they're already it's iRacing is as good as it gets in my opinion um and it's current you know they are it's a it's current software uh and they're I think it would help both sides actually for iRacing and and one of the manufacturers to work together it help iRacing continue to develop their prod, product and it would help uh it would it would make it a lot easier I think on the uh, manufacturers as far as how much they're pouring into this financially to develop the software themselves so with okay. that said you know that's not confusing enough Maritime Special asks, how do you choose the design for the pit sign? And have you ever had trouble uh, locating your pit during a race? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> most most famously, uh, uh, the Daytona 500 came down pit road, running third, and drove right by the pit box. Uh, this was before we actually made all these, you know, crazy colorful signs. A lot of the teams, even during the day races, use signs that light up signs that we would only use at night races we're now seeing at all the day events where the, the you know the signs are actually lit up electronically and uh once i missed my pit box uh the first time i went down to uh, talk to tony jr is my crew chief at the time i said you know pit road's becoming more and more colorful when you when you pull onto pit lane there's just so much more confusion to look at we need to get a little more aggressive on making our pit sign that we actually hang off the pit box, not the pit sign that the guys are holding that I drive up to. There's a pit sign that hangs off the pit box high in the air. We need to be a little more aggressive on making that stand out, make that unique to to ourselves and not similar to anything else on pit road. So we did some like hazard lines, the yellow and black hazard lines. We, we did that as a background and then the number. Uh, and that was, I think, for a year or two, the most, uh, you know, the most obnoxious pit sign on pit road. Now I, I think it's uh, it's it's lost in the muck. I think there's so much more. If you go down pit road and look at uh, the pit signs today, uh, we're not the most obnoxious. We're kind of middle of the road now. So they have went in that direction. I think uh, everybody is, you know, pit road has became much more confusing, and there's a lot more color and a lot more things going on. So. Uh, the pit signs have have kind of ramped up uh, over the years, um, and it uh, it's still you know it's still something that you have to really focus on and and pay attention to coming on the pit road. But luckily, you get used to the same sign, and that's what you look for. If I go run when I would go run races for the Xfinity teams, Junior Motorsports, and if I was driving a car that was number five or something else, I'd still use the '88 pit sign because my you know my memory and and you know, when I'm coming on the pit road, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, so you get used to that, and, and uh, if it works for you, you, stick with it. All right. Let's get to this question here. Uh, where did it go? Oh, the weird Twitter name question. It's cool that you have uh, – that you are giving rise to Redskins players during training camp. Who is your favorite retired Redskins player, and who is your favorite current player? Uh, it's hard to pick just one favorite. Um, I always liked Art Monk, who was a receiver in the 80s. I uh, was a big Daryl Green fan, who was a de uh, defensive back. And John Riggins uh, was popular among fans for his uh, for his uh, personality. You know, he's kind of a 
he kind of marched to the beat of his own drum, did his own thing. Uh, current players, Ryan Kerrigan is a guy that I like. Will Compton. Um, Morgan Moses. I mean, there's so many guys on the team that are that are key players and important to uh, to to the success of the team. So those three guys are coming to our event next week at Richmond That's Raceway. Right, yeah, and Kirk Cousins, quarterback, he's going to come Norman. out. Josh Norman. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of great guys. I think uh, talented players. Chris Cooley's a, a a a guy that I'm friends with. He used to be a tight end for the team. Does a lot of their radio stuff now. Um. Even though you've gotten to know these guys, do you sort of geek out a little bit when Redskins come around? Yeah, the track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just got a signed jersey from Jeff Bostic, who was a center for the team years ago. Yeah, and collecting that kind of stuff is a big deal for me. Being able to meet these guys, we're actually going to go to an event later this year where there'll be a lot of old veteran At players. The end of August, yeah. That'll be for me like someone going to the MP MTV Music Awards or the or uh, uh, you know the, the yeah. Golden Globes, or so, you know, like Amy. If Amy were to go to like the Golden Globes or something like that, or the Oscars, this would be <laughs> me going to uh, anything Redskins is 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 similar to that. Yeah, cool. All right, Blake Freeman ten asks, will we ever see Carson Elledge drive one of your late models and or race for Junior Motorsports? I don't know what she wants to do. You know, she's actually drove our late model in the limited race a time or two. Um and and you know if she wants to mess around with that and have a little fun I'm sure we can find some opportunities for that but I she seems to love running that little dirt car that she has with her dad her dad owns that company that builds those carts and uh, I think it's QRC yep so um this is the stuff that uh, Larson and those guys play around with from time to time over at Millbridge and uh, she loves that she she races every other Wednesday I believe. I think uh, Latart's son races out there. Bunch of kids. Patrick Star 42 asks, if it rains this weekend at Watkins Glen, how would you feel about running rain tires on the road course? I hope it does. I've never had the chance to run in the rain, so I'd love it if it poured. Uh, obviously, heavy downpour, big, you know, a lot of rain on the track is probably not going to be good, and we probably wouldn't be able to race at all, even with the rain tires. There's a limit to how much rain you can actually put up with. But if it did get wet, I wouldn't mind the opportunity to go out there and play around and see what the cup car drives like in the rain i've never ever had a chance to do that we saw the guys uh race in the rain in the xfinity series up in toronto uh was it toronto yeah and then last year mid ohio yeah so i I've, i'm a little you know a little curious that'd be interesting yeah i ran in the rain in the corvette uh in the prototype two in the 24 hours of uh, daytona and i was pretty happy with how i did uh personally so i i would be interested to try it I'd be interested yeah. to watch. Cup cars haven't ran ever in the rain. I don't think. I think there was one weekend where it rained during practice and they opened the track up, but not many people took advantage of the opportunity to go out there because <laughs> there was no, no you know, reason. It wasn't supposed to be raining on Sunday, so there's no point in practicing in it. I think a couple cars did go out and play around a little bit. but That'd be just more have fun, right? Yeah. 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 Michelle G1 asks, if you could – be anyone else for a day. Who would it be and why? Oh gosh. We'll do both of you guys on this. Tyler. Tyler, you're going to have to go first. I have no idea. Tyler, I know you've thought about this. You probably think about it daily. I'd probably be Cam Newton. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the man. 
Good lord. Are would, you, is that really who you'd be? Probably. I would. I don't. Yeah. I want to play. I would want to play football or be a football player and just experience it one time. Yeah. Because I never played football, and then just to play football at that level. Yeah. I think that would be cool. Cam Newton, huh? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Would you still wear Cam Newton socks? No, I haven't worn those since. I don't think. Oh man, that's unfortunate. You got yeah. guilted so bad. You I took know. such a beating in this. It's unfortunate. This place that uh, you don't just wear one them. day. Just one day. That's all it took. Um, I would have a hard time picking just one person. Uh, it might be interesting to play football, so maybe being a Redskins for a day. Uh, no particular person, but um, maybe the owner of the team for a day. That'd be kind of I funny. was just thinking the same thing. What's his name? Uh, J- uh, Snyder. Snyder. I'm like, yeah, forget the, the, the guys that get hurt and have to go through the – the yeah. toll, the body toll. Forget being out of breath. Just yeah, and sweaty. Just, just one day. Just then. sit up in the box. Forget forget the 100, 180, 190 heart rate. Yeah, just one day, and then I'll come back to this the next day. Yeah. What, put, what, put what, kind of, like, box. what kind of day? Like draft day, Super Bowl day, opening day? That might be cool to be the GM on draft day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah. That'd be stressful. Probably. But, I mean, by time draft day, you kind of know what you're going to do. Yeah. Um. It's not. I mean, there are not going to be too many surprises. I think the stress is probably leading up to that. Yeah, in the months prior. Right. And then you would just come in and take over for that one day. Yep, good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, Adam King 883 asks, do you help with the designs of your helmet? These are really cool. I don't. I don't do anything other than tell Nick, who paints my helmets. He's painted my helmet since I drove an Xfinity car in 98.99. I just tell him to use skulls, Have keep some skulls on there. I like skulls on my helmet for some reason, and uh, and he's always kind of incorporated. He used to paint the backdrop to like Guns N' Roses concerts and all these big bands, like the big painted, you know, the big they he paint all kinds of crazy stuff on these backdrops. And he got, you know, obviously got into painting helmets and motorcycles and stuff like that. So uh, he's great at painting a skull. Yeah, different so, kind of skulls. Everything. Yeah, and so I tell him just to go crazy. Um, there's been a couple, some of my f- more favorite, uh, uh, helmets had like little hidden things in them. Like he had, you know, like the silver, silver naked lady on the back of the trucker yeah. flaps and stuff like that. I mean, there'd be stuff like that in there hiding in there, little tiny ones. That's cool. Yeah. And one of our sponsors found out and told us we couldn't use that anymore. Oh, which yeah. sponsor? I can't remember. It was like six or eight years ago. Oh. One of the Hendrick deals. Okay. Yeah, didn't like the, yeah. <laughs> it said we couldn't use what? I had questionable artwork on my helmet, <laughs> but you couldn't see it unless you were looking for it. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. So they said we couldn't use it anymore. All right. But skulls. Yeah. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, looking ahead, Wednesday, uh, nationwide appearance in Colorado in the morning. You're going there tonight. Yeah, so I'm flying to Colorado tonight. We'll grab dinner. We'll get up in the morning early, and we've got some. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go up do a Q and A uh, for for nationwide. Talk a little bit about our. What are we gonna talk about? You think we'll talk about? Talk about your partnership, Insurance. talk about your race, talk about, talk about how, racing, how you are a customer. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Uh, then we have this awesome event. It's only a day away. Yep. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to be on QVC. 
uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. This is the for race fans only. They used to have this show all the time. Dad would go on there all the time. I got to do it quite a bit. Then it went away. We'd go on there and try to, you know, we'd sell some of our souvenirs and talk about upcoming stuff and uh, obviously talk about racing and, and, and so forth. But we'll be on the show uh, to unveil the Exalta car that we're going to run at Homestead. Yep. So, it's going to uh, be a huge deal. I can't deal. wait, man. I'm really excited about this. And uh, you'll be able to see that uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on QVC. We're also um, streaming that on your Facebook page, too. Oh, okay. So you can watch it on yeah. Facebook also. Great. Saturday, there's two practices at um, Watkins Glen. The Xfinity race is at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Sunday, we got qualifying at 12 p.m. Eastern. The race is at 3, uh, both on NBC Sports Network. It's going to be a good weekend. Yeah, it should be. Watkins Glen, shifting gears. So we made it through uh, We made it through um, Pocono without tearing up any motors. We'll go to Glen and see if we can do it again. All right. Good show. Good show. We'll see you guys later. See ya.
Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcast on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 